Good afternoon and welcome to another VSA Capital Technology Transitional Energy and a bit of brands podcast with myself, uh, Phil Smith, the analyst, and today as a guest, uh, David Scrivener, head of sales, as Andrew Monk, our CEO, is away on business. So, David, uh, welcome to the podcast again. Thank you very much indeed. And um, I'm actually just back from holiday, so I'm looking forward to your very insightful comments that will follow on from, you know, this particular podcast. So I'm looking forward to that. But perhaps if I can sort of uh, position myself and what I've just quickly seen, I'm just seeing that uh, I kind of repeated where we have been. Midterms and economic stats are the kind of the overarching sentiment at the moment in the US and arguably globally. And of course, within minutes or so, if not already, we'll see the CPI data out in the US. And the survey was 7.9 and the prior was 8.2. So we'll look for that um, with interest. This unfortunately is casting a bit of a shadow over general sentiment. And on the negative side in the tech world, we've just seen this news about FTX and the uncertainty has prompted Sequoia to take a 214 million write down. Now, other big holders of uh, FTX include names like BlackRock, Tiger and SoftBank. So we'll have to see what um, this uh, results in for them. Uh, JP Morgan, following on this news in the sort of crypto uh, space, is now calling for Bitcoin to potentially drop to 13,000. And the chart doesn't look too good on that. Um, in other news, we've seen a number of layoffs, and I think you're going to uh, mention that um, through the likes of Meta, Twitter, Shopify, Snap, and even Microsoft. But I would add in at this point in time, analysts have been cutting their earnings estimates outlook for the NASDAQ. And if we look into those forecasts for 2023, they're now perhaps down 0.2%, so just a uh, a modest uh, down there versus plus 10% when they were making their forecasts in late June. So hopefully this is going to stabilise sentiment in the tech world. And then just very quickly, excuse me, on the clean energy uh, side of the world, on the on the positives, um, I'm noting that um, in some of the uh, indexes that track this, uh, they've been doing pretty well, and we've had some really good share price performances in First Solar, PNE, and Andritz. And um, that's my little comment. Perhaps you could kindly uh, show us your thoughts because you've you've been looking at the China factory gate prices, and then moving into um, a number of companies for which we'll look forward to your insights on. Well, there we are, David. Well, that's a good uh, a, a, a good intro there. I mean, I, I yeah. I mean, just quickly on. Following the themes, I mean, on economic data, um, I noticed this week that uh, China had uh, announced um, factory gate pricing for October and that this had fallen for the first time since December 2020. Um, I mean, they said that consumer inflation moderated um, and that reflects, you know, a faltering domestic demand because we know, you know, the COVID curves that there have been in in China. There's the, you know, property prices falling off there as well. And so, um, you know, this has led to what they call the producer price index uh, of data that uh, that fell 1.3% year on year and it gained a month earlier. So this is sort of broad economic indicator there. Um, 
and you know that I think you know a lot of a lot of the observations being made about possible the possibility of deflation um, in China, but ultimately you know China's a huge exporter. We all you know we all buy things from from China, um, and this is deflation. You know pricing may fall. It may be a positive towards our you know inflation here. Um, alternatively, it may be you know a lot more competition for our producers, but we will see. But that's an economic indicator out of China there. Um, moving on to the renewable sector, and I'll get on to tech, um, which you mentioned, there was an announcement from um, Iberdrola uh, this week, who's a you know the Spanish um, electricity network provider, and they produce renewable energy as well. I mean, they're a huge provider. Um, but they've announced that they are going to be um, spending, I think, a sum of about 47 billion euros on electricity, investing in electricity networks, renewable energy production and its customer businesses over the next two years. I mean, that's a phenomenal uh, amount that they're investing. Um, they've also planning further investment of up to 75 billion euros in 2026 to 2030. Um, but what was eye catching on this and from a UK investor perspective is that they said that 57% of the 2023 to 25 investment, 27 billion euros, is actually um, going to be going to electricity networks in Britain, uh, Brazil, Spain, and the US. So we will be a beneficiary of that uh, of that investment they're putting in the networks. So that was that was quite eye catching. Uh, another thing that came out, this is from the Guardian uh, report from them that apparently um, the French the French government are looking at uh, all the large car parks in France um, having some coverage from solar panels as part of new legislation. Uh, and so this uh, requires existing new car parks with space for at least 80 vehicles to be covered in solar panels. There we go. So that's quite a novel. That's a novel idea. Um, let's see if that takes on takes on here. Another thing that caught my eye, though, and this again, this is a this is a longer term uh, sort of theme, but very relevant to investors in the mining space, which is more you know an area that you're very familiar with, and that's that Bosch in Germany are partnering up with IBM, and IBM have expertise in quantum um, computing. Uh, and this is to use quantum computing simulation technology to find alternatives to rare earths and the metals that are needed in. Um, you know, rare earths as we know, everything from from wind tur wind turbines, electric vehicles, uh, but also for defence applications, and that's something that, um, that that Bosch is looking at with IBM. But again, that's a it's a longer term thing, but um, part of a sort of overall theme in transitional energy. So I don't know if you did you see that, David? I hadn't seen that, but I did. Um, you know, I, I read your notes and. Um, that's an interesting uh, development, and what you said is absolutely true. These are critical rare me metals, and they, you know, we have to import so much more from China. So it'll be interesting to see how that unfolds. Yeah, and Bosch, and again, this is, you know, scale of big investment going in. So for everything that's happening in the markets right now, some of these big corporations really are ploughing ahead with long-term investment. Uh, and Bosch is investing apparently 10 billion euros in digitalization and connectivity for uh, by 2025 and this is in technologies that are focused on sustainability uh and mobility uh, account for a large proportion of that investment so companies despite you know what you read about overall sentiment and markets companies are 
investing uh, for longer term. Now, tech, uh, and you mentioned this, David, uh, Meta, um, this is really Facebook, it, they are going to lay off 11,000 employees. Um, you know, and this is one of a number of larger uh, US tech companies that are laying off. But, you know, I mean, you mentioned Microsoft's layoffs, but they are, I mean, it's, you know, it's a few thousand. So as a proportion of Microsoft's overall workforce, it's not a big proportion at the moment. But but this uh, this is apparently 13% uh, of its global workforce. And the reason is, is that um, the Meta, Facebook, uh, a lot of the business is digital advertising. Um, and what tends to happen as the economy softens is uh, that advertising, if you will know from the past, David, we know is, is one of those areas that can come under pressure of spent. And also something I didn't know, and this was in a Reuters article today, fascinating article from Reuters, um, about how the, some of the more traditional advertising, or seem to be traditional advertising companies like, you know, big ones, like WPP, have seen, you know, over the recent years, their business, a lot, a lot of business snapped up by people like, uh, you know, by, by Facebook and by Google in the advertising space. But actually, you know, the comment in the article was saying, which I thought was really intriguing, that that um, a lot of the digital tech for advertising is maybe taken up by small and medium-sized companies, whereas bigger corporations are kind of sticking with, uh, you know, people like WPP and the bigger advertising agencies and th and their spend. So probably more resilience and some of the business coming back to them. So it's quite quite an interesting observation there. I think it's very interesting, and we'll see if that trend continues over the long run too. Mm. Okay, and um, so let's get on to UK companies uh, for investors, um, and one that I have followed for a good number of years and used to cover as an analyst was Oxford Instruments, uh, ticker is OXIG, market cap is £1.2 billion. Pounds. Um, it had uh, interims. I mean, this uh, Oxford Instruments is a fascinating company. I mean, they supply um scientific instrumentation so this is like stuff that goes in you know equipment that goes into electron microscopes which are used well across the like silicon chip industry um for drug discovery for new materials discovery they provide equipment that's used in um, etching processes in semiconductors they have scientific uh special scientific cameras through andor so a range of a range of highly specialized equipment that's used across uh, research and development, but also in manufacturing. So very diverse end markets. They have interims through the 30th of September. The revenues are up 10% uh, compared to last year, constant currency to 200 million pounds. Uh, and we're looking for like for likes on currency at the moment because of the currency fluctuations. And they said um, that they grew 10%, even though it's partially constrained by supply chain disruption and export license delays uh, and this related to some of the more specialized equipment that they'd have been providing into china um, and there's been a lot of news flow recently on scientific equipment and semiconductor equipment into china and restrictions so so they've achieved that growth despite um despite these challenges uh and their adjusted profits were up 4.6 percent 36.8 uh, 36.8 million but I was interested to see their their operating margins have ticked up to eighteen point four percent from eighteen percent, which is a good. That's a that's a quite a positive thing. Uh, and order books were nearly twenty nine percent higher, and they increased their cash as well. 
so and, that, and you know and they're digging yeah i'm yeah i'm that all important uh <laughs> yeah dividends and an interest and they said that uh in particular they seem stronger as the cost quantum technology we mentioned quantum computing earlier advanced materials uh in the uh yeah energy and uh, environmental markets but also healthcare and life sciences so you know it's a good it's a nice diverse business um anything else yeah and they, their customer base is changing as well they you know traditionally they they've had a quite a, lot, a larger proportion of business from academia and in research but commercial customers now have grown to represent 53 percent of uh, their orders compared with 45 percent in 2019 and that's a strategic move for them to further diversify the customer base so that's Oxford Instruments figuring OXIG. Now David one that you and I were both discussing and this was tipped in Questa in the Telegraph is IMI PLC um, market cap is 3.6 billion and I don't it's not one we've mentioned on the, the podcast before but it's one of our you know one of the UK's biggest engineering companies um, and IMI they design manufacture and provide services to the um, controls what describe as controls and precise movement of fluids sectors um, so uh, this is also advanced engineering terms of particularly you know if you think of fluid control we are immediately talking about valves and of course, the actuators, which are you know electric motors, computer controls, etc., that tell valves what to do. Now, valves are used all over the place, so it's not just in our heating, David, and our you know central heating systems uh, across the oil and gas industry, um, but also you know in the automotive industry as well within cars. Um, and they they uh, they produce things like I didn't I didn't realise they've got syringe pumps and technology goes into healthcare. So, you know, life sciences are a market, it's oil and gas, uh, and also both of a big a big markets, and of course now increasingly renewable in the renewable side. So they had announced uh, an acquisition that they made. Um, so they it's of Heat Miser in the UK. I've never heard of Heat Miser, they're acquiring it for 110. Uh, million pounds and this company does very smart controls for uh, heating systems so they've announced that acquisition um, and they also had a third quarter trading update which was positive as well so uh, just trying to see what they said there uh, yeah they're upgrading their EPS guidance for the full year to uh, 106p from 103p so there we are I'm very confident in its operating margins and if, if you look at the chart, the, the share price may have been down over the last sort of uh, 12 months, but just recently over the last uh, month or two, the technicals on it look very, very good. It's going on a nice little uptrend. Ah, oh, really? OK, now I'll have a look further at that, actually. I mean, I, you know, what's interesting here is that I was looking at their interim results as well. Um, and their interim revenue was up by 7% to $972 million. But the operating margin increased from 15.7% to 16.4%, producing, a, you know, I think the end profit was about £95 million. But increases in margins in this environment are a very, very good thing. Because if you think about it, you know, firstly, you've got, you know, the inflationary costs, 
which reduce margins and cost of materials. You've got, you know, you've got pay rises going through, so you've got pressure on staff costs. And then there's supply issues, which again can put material pricing up. So even though you can pass on that to a degree to your customer base, nonetheless, you know, it can be a challenge um, to firstly maintain margins, let alone increase them, which I are doing. So it shows that also reflects your know, strong margins always reflect how good your product is and how customers value it. So there, there we are. Um, Zoo Digital, David, they have interims too. Uh, I don't know if you saw those. Yes, and they've been in the press quite a bit, and a number of fund managers in the UK have been uh, making very positive comments about the company. And uh, I must say, I do find this incredibly interesting company. Well, what they do, um, so Zoo Digital, the ticket is Zoo. Uh, they have their interims, um, and they, you know, I'm sure we all... For those of us that view the streaming channels, you know, Netflix or Disney or Amazon, just look now at the amount of overseas, or what we would say is overseas or foreign languages, it used to be classified um, films that are on there, you know, just incredible. I mean, you've got a huge base of Spanish language speakers, for, you, for instance, globally, that are now, you know, look at the, the media that's getting served on the streaming channels. A lot of it. So I can watch it, and I have a dear Spanish wife, and uh, we don't watch all the Spanish films and dramas. It has to be dubbed, has to be translated, has to have subtitles um, applied to it. All needs to be done very sensitively, and you can use, you know, you can supplement doing all the translation using software, but ultimately it all has to sound sensible and uh, has to make sense uh, to read, and they do this. So they apply software technology to the process, and they also have a huge freelance base of translators that they use, um, and Zoo provides its services to the global streaming channels, such as, uh, you know, including Netflix. And their interim period, they reported their revenues were up by 91% to $51.4 million. Um, driven by strong growth in localization, as it's called, localizing the, the languages uh, and expansion of its media services. Uh, they also saw their EBITDA double, um, which, you know, as they rightly say, reflects operational gearing, and they moved into a maiden profit for tax of 3.5 million versus a loss previously of $1.5 million, and they generated cash of $4.9 million um so they've got a strong balance sheet of 11 million dollars so you know super set of results there from uh from zoo digital uh yeah, yeah very wrong. yeah no i was gonna say i think it's really interesting because as i said i don't know it too too well but I, i'm fascinated by the model and what they're doing and also this freelancer network which is growing and you know how that works within the model i think it's it's, it's very interesting indeed yeah, well, those of us with, uh, I used to cover a company called um, SDL, which was listed, um, and that was acquired, I think it's by listed companies by RWS, if I remember, someone will correct me on this one. Um, but SDL had a similar, you know, a, a model like this, where you have out there a network, you know, thousands of freelance translators, and, and SDL originally were doing it for, um you know, for e the e-commerce industry primarily. I mean, if you think about that very logically, every multinational um, has websites in 
loads of different languages depending on the regions that they are you know they are serving and so for instance if you're a multinational car manufacturer um, and you have many you know customers in germany you will have a website that is in logically in german uh, for those customers and every time you're producing a new model or variants of that model you know changes need to be made to the websites and that involves deploying all these translators so that's kind of how it how it works david so it's a comp you know it's using nowadays using translational software complemented by humans to make the whole thing you know make sense and and uh, and read correctly i wish my podcast could be <laughs> deploy the technology sometimes to come out as adequately as um, the subtitles that we see on Netflix and the dubbing. Right, moving on swiftly. Uh, Kinetic. Now, this takes us on to defence. Um, Kinetic is, uh, ticker is QQ, 2 billion market cap, um, and I'll spell it out for our listeners just so they can check, is Q-U-I-N-E-T-I-Q. Kinetic. Uh, these shares, the share price is up uh, about 32% to date. Um, it's performing strongly. Just how its interims. Um, what a kinetic do? I mean, it's advanced defense technologies. It's involved in command and control systems, robotics, cybersecurity, advanced communication systems. So do have a look at their website. Um, there's an incredible range of technologies that they, they support into defense. Um, and their major geographic focus is quite logically, you know, the US, uh, the UK and Australia. Um, and they, you know, during the interim period, they've made two big acquisitions. Uh, Avantus, which is in the US, they're acquiring that for $590 million. Um, and they are a what they describe as mission-focused cyber data analytics and software development, um, supplying the US Department of Defense, Intelligent Community uh, and Thermal Security. And then they're also acquiring a company called Air Affairs in Australia. Um, and that's for uh, 31 million um, and air affairs produce unmanned targets uh, for what's described as mission rehearsal, practice targets, uh, training services, but also have electronic warfare capabilities. So those are acquisitions they've made during a period. Um, they also announced during the interim period that um, they've um, successfully delivering a framework agreement in the UK alongside Atkins and BNT. Uh, first off, orders for 193 million, revenue of 135 million. But this is for the, I think this is MOD related command and control systems. And in the US, they won two significant contracts worth up to $45 million each for, uh, looks like development command systems. Uh, just like that. Um, I don't know, um, also, no, sorry, it's multi year research and development tech uh, for US Army for imaging services. But just in terms of those interim results, Quickly run through those revenue up from 600 million to 673 million, operating profit from 41 to 100 million, with operating leverage and profit after tax 22 million to 112 million. So strong growth there in earnings, uh, high cash flow, just under 100 million from operations, end cash 264 million up from 139 million. So a good strong set of results and even I think if you exclude currency effects on that I think the sort of positive uh, headwind from currency you know good underlying uh, growth of all uh, and they said that you know in terms of outlook they're looking forward to a good second half of um, fiscal 
2023, which uh, they're in at the moment. Healthy order book, positive momentum, 95% of revenue under contract. So you can't hold that. So overall, a good set of numbers. Indeed. There we go. And then just quickly running through, because I'm very conscious of time, uh, we had. Um, so Frontier IP Group, one of our clients, particularly is FIPB, um, and they have a uh, Frontier IP Group have shares in technology companies, and those shares they've earned by providing commercialization uh, services, priority university spin-outs, tech companies. They've had a super success with Excientia uh, as one of their portfolio listed on the NASDAQ, but they've uh, just announced this week that Pulsif, uh, which is one of the portfolio holdings that uh, raised 1.5 million in equity. Um, and this uh, pulse is really interesting, actually. It's what they call inverter technology, uh, which is applied into consumer electronics. Uh, it's power electronics type technology, but it saves on, on energy consumption. Also used in solar generation there to save on, um, you know, when the energy is converted into solar panels. And again, it reduces the overall energy that's lost in that process. So, uh, they have uh, announced a fundraising, so that was that was very very good to see. Um, and then finally, from me, David uh, Praxis, which uh, TRCS is well, uh, their their software company, two seventy five million market cap, um, and they provide software for operational planning and performance, primarily in the train industry. Um, and their software undertakes tasks like managing safety, risk management, so it's not just planning as well. And they do remote condition monitoring of equipment, um, but they reported a year, uh, year ending revenue of 68.7 million for year ending July, up 37%. Um, uh, they saw strong organic growth. Uh, and that profit for tax of 2.6 million and cash balances of 70 point million. Uh, 70.2 million and no debt. So the business does appear to be uh, reasonably resilient. I guess finally, finally, uh, another quick one on a client of ours, which is Super C Capital. Uh, this is Aquas listed. Uh, ticket is WWW. Um, and David Supersede, and I've got to get this right. So Super C Capital is what we call an LP uh, to supersede. Um, which is a venture capital fund. Um, and they are primarily focused on seed investments into technology companies. Um, and they're also focused on ones that, you know, these are SaaS businesses. So, you know, we like this as uh, software as a service of recurring revenues. Um, so they are into B2B software and also AI software. And they have their third quarter results well worth a read through the companies making good strong progress the portfolio companies are you know and amazingly in this environment um are producing good strong recurring revenue growth which um you know is is is, is excellent especially you know if you look at the nasdaq as you point out on on forecasts for nasdaq a lot of those companies are SaaS related and some of those are not being performed so well so even though these are early stage um i was i must admit i was quite impressed um with that and it's they've got a really interesting range of portfolio companies as well um within there for instance they've got fintium which is a blockchain solution for intraday uh bank trading is already being trialed by 13 banks and this is like early stage software they've got a which is ai intelligent documentation you know document processing 
Um, and they got there's there's a particular interesting one in there that, I, that um, is used for uh, it's called AI Build, which has big gantry robots, and their software runs a gantry robot, so you can 3D print very large structures, you know, uh, uh, main material structures for for building aircraft or or cars. <laughs> really fascinating. So well worth a look at. That's Super C Capital Limited, and that one's on on Aquis. So yeah, there we are, David. So all in all, um, I think um, you know we've seen some pretty good progress this week from individual companies, which again, you know, is reassuring. Definitely. No, thank you very much for some very interesting insights there, and um, certainly for the you know the names that we've you've just produced research on, well worth having a good look at Frontier IP. And I noted that uh, their NAV growth was 27%, and it's trading at a discount to the current NAV of 88, and uh, supersede likewise. Very very interesting. There we are. Well, listen, um, we do po post the podcast as well, so you know listeners can always catch up on, uh, on the individual companies. Um, but as always, we do welcome comment from our listeners. Good, bad, indifferent. Um, and if you've got any ideas, things you want to discuss, please uh, feel very happy to, uh, to to get in touch with you know myself, Andrew, or, or David. We'd be delighted to respond. Um, and David, we'll look forward to another tech and trans uh, podcast from VSA Capital uh, next week. Thank you for uh, thank you, David, for joining me today. Many thanks. Pleasure.